Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They take care of our air conditioning, and I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Rick LoCastro is Collier County Commissioner in District 1. We'll be talking about the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. has a special project here in Collier County. We'll find out why. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. We'll visit with Dr. Markovich as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is September the 2nd and on this day in 1945 aboard the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. Japan formally surrendered to the Allies, bringing an end to World War II. By the summer of 1945, the defeat of Japan was a foregone conclusion. The Japanese Navy and Air Force were destroyed. The Allied naval blockade of Japan and the intensive bombing of Japanese cities had left the country and an economy devastated. At the end of June, the American captured Okinawa and a Japanese island from which the Allies could launch an invasion of the main Japanese home islands. U.S. General uh, Douglas MacArthur was put in charge of the invasion, which was codenamed Operation Olympic and set for November 1945. The invasion of the Japanese promised to be the bloodiest seaborne attack of all time, conceivably ten times as costly as the Normandy invasion in terms of Allied casualties. On July the 16th, a new option became available when the United States secretly detonated the world's first atomic bomb in the New Mexico desert. Ten days later, the Allied issued the Potsdam Declaration demanding the unconditional surrender of the Japanese armed forces. Failure to comply would mean the inevitable and complete destruction of the Japanese armed forces and just as inevitable, the utter devastation of the Japanese homeland. On July the 28th, Japanese Prime Minister responded by telling the press that his government was paying no attention to the Allied ultimatum. U.S. President Harry S. Truman ordered the devastation to proceed, and on August 6th, the U.S. B-29 bomber Enola Gay dropped the atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima, killing an estimated 80,000 people and fatally wounding thousands more. After the Hiroshima attack, a faction of Japanese Supreme War Council favored acceptance of the Potsdam Declaration, but the majority resisted unconditional surrender. On August the 8th, Japanese desperate situation took another turn for the worse, when the USSR declared war against Japan. The next day, Soviet forces attacked in Manchuria, rapidly overwhelming Japanese positions there, and a second U.S. atomic bomb was dropped in the Japanese coastal city of Nagasaki. Just before the midnight on August the 9th, Japanese Emperor Hirohito convened the Supreme War Council after a long and emotional debate. He backed a proposal by the Prime Minister Suzuki in which Japan would accept the Potsdam Declaration with the understanding that the Declaration does not compromise any demand that prejudices the prerogatives of His Majesty at the Sovereign Ruler. Big world's word salad there. I don't know anybody knew what that meant, but the Council obeyed Hirohito's acceptance of peace, and on August the 10th, the message was relayed to the United States. Early on August the 12th, the United States answered that the authority of the Emperor and the Japanese government to rule the state shall be subject to the supreme commander of the Allied powers, 
after two days of debate about this statement, implied, and what it implied, Emperor Hirohito brushed the nuances to the Texas side and declared that peace was preferable to destruction. He ordered the Japanese government to prepare a text accepting surrender. In the early hours of August the 15th, a military coup was attempted by a faction led by Hanataka. The rebel, uh, rebels seized control of the imperial palace and burned Prime Minister Suki's residence. But shortly after dawn, the coup was crushed. At noon that day, Emperor Hirohito was on national radio for the first time to announce the Japanese surrender. In his unfamiliar court language, he told his subjects, we have resolved to pave the way for a grand peace for all generations to come by enduring the endurable and suffering what is insufferable. The United States immediately accepted Japan's surrender. President Truman appointed MacArthur to head the Allied occupation of Japan as Supreme Commander of the Allied Powers. For the site of Japan's formal surrender, Truman chose the USS Missouri, a battleship that had been seen considerable action in the Pacific and was named after Truman's native state. MacArthur, instructed to preside over the surrender, held off the ceremony until September the 2nd in order to allow uh, time for representatives of all major Allied powers to arrive. On Sunday, September the 2nd, more than 250 Allied warships lay in anchor in Tokyo Bay. The flags of the United States, Britain, the Soviet Union, and China fluttered above the deck of the Missouri. Just after 9 a.m. Tokyo time, Japanese Foreign Minister uh, signed on behalf of the Japanese government, uh, and they signed for the Japanese armed forces, and the aides wept as he made his signature. Supreme Commander MacArthur next signed, declaring, It is my earnest hope, and indeed the hope of all mankind, that from this solemn occasion a better world shall emerge out of the blood and carnage of the past. Nine more signatures were made by the United States, China, Britain, the USSR, Australia, Canada, France, and the Netherlands and New Zealand. Admiral Chester Nimitz signed for the United States. As the 20-minute ceremony ended, the sun burst through low-hanging clouds. The most devastating war in human history was over. Peace in Japan on this day in 1945. Well, a day after Southwest Florida Hospital System reported its highest-ever number of COVID-19 deaths in a single day, Governor Ron DeSantis acknowledged that it would be appropriate for the state to resume releasing county-level death information. State health officials stopped releasing the information in June, leaving the communities with no information on the full extent of the pandemic. DeSantis' comments came during a press conference Wednesday morning in Fort Myers touting the monoclonal antibody treatments for COVID-19 positive residents. And by the way, I've heard really good things about that treatment, a way to deal with the symptoms of COVID-19. State officials have not formally committed to such an information release, however. When asked if he would release the data so communities would have an idea of the death toll, DeSantis said, I'll talk about it. I know that we do weekly report with everything. I'll drill it down and see what kind of, uh, what it is at the county level. But obviously, I think that would be something that would be appropriate. Clearly, if you look at the hospital or county-level hospitalization data, the hospitalization spike, you unfortunately will see mortality as a result of that. When hospitalizations are declining, fortunately, you'll start to see the mortality decline as well. And by the way, it is declining throughout Florida uh, right now. <clears throat> Lee Health reported Tuesday that 18 of its patients had died in the preceding 24 hours. A single day high, the public health system based in Fort Myers reported eight additional deaths Wednesday. Since the pandemic began, 935 patients have died, and according to data supplied by the hospital system, 340 of those deaths 
have occurred since June 28th. Now, if you've been listening for the show for uh, any period of time, you know that uh, I'm pretty skeptical about what qualifies of a death by COVID-19. In many cases, there was one person who was killed in a motorcycle accident. Cause of death? COVID-19. This is absurd. So we should be suspicious suspicious of the numbers. But that said, uh, deaths are on the rise. DeSantis also said Wednesday's administration will be filing an appeal of a ruling striking down his ban on mask mandates in public schools. He said his lawyers have been waiting for a copy of the order issued by Leon County Circuit Judge. The judicial order cleared the way for the Lee School District and about a dozen others to require students and staff to wear masks in district school buildings, which to me appears totally absurd. Masks do no good. That's going to be an appeal and will be successful on that front, DeSantis says. At the end of the day, you can't take away a parent's rights. Parents do have the right under Florida law. The governor noted the written order from Judge John Cooper had not been formally received by his office, and he's waiting for it. DeSantis was in Lee County to spread the word about the use of monoclonal antibody treatment, and he said basically creates some firepower for your body to fight it back against the virus. The governor had been opening clinics providing the uh, treatment in various locations across the state since last month. And we now have one in Immokalee and uh, one also on <clears throat> in Benita Springs uh, in the old library, wherever that is. I think it's Pine Street. Telling reporters a lot of folks have been able to benefit from this. He brought four Lee County residents to uh, the office and talked directly about their treatment and how it helped them. So this is all very positive. And uh, again, he's very confident that he's going to win his case in court. Uh, about these school districts. Well, the weekly average number of hospital admissions due to COVID-19 has dropped in the last week for the first time since the end of June. According to the data released by the Department of Human Health and Human Services, the HHS data shows that the seven-day average of new case admissions was confirmed, of confirmed cases of COVID-19 dropped by 2.4%. So perhaps this quote-unquote pandemic, or what I call a plandemic, is uh, winding down at this point. I, by the way, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that there's not some sort of an illness with people losing their taste and their smell and so forth. Uh, that's happening, but it's been way overblown. And uh, again, the fit, panic, pandemic of fear is much greater, in my opinion, than the health uh, problems led by this uh, virus. <clears throat> Two uh, senior FDA officials resigned over a disagreement with the Biden White House on COVID booster shots. This is interesting story that I just show, think shows that we'd like to think of the FDA, the CDC, as being objective scientific organizations and bodies, but they're not. They're politicized. And, of course, these two people quit because they didn't like the booster program being approved without FDA's approval. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Rick LoCastro. He's Collier County Commissioner, District 1. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. So uh, tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, well, we're a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, a coalition of well over 100 groups across the state. Uh, we lead an effort to focus on K-12 through education. Uh, we're strongly supportive and advocate for uh, parental school choice, uh, stopping the indoctrination on multiple fronts, um, you know, critical race theory, um, the pornography in our schools, etc. And uh, we're right now in the in, in the middle of uh, t- uh, trying to convince the governor to order a special session um, to deal with uh, this this stampede that's coming at us, both on masks and on uh, um, you know requiring. Uh, individuals to get the uh, vaccination the vaccination yeah, yeah. interesting so. well thank you keith again go flca i can't speak highly enough of the fa- uh, florida citizens alliance they do great work go flca go flca.com is the website so keith i mean right now we would expect some sort of a court order or some sort of a uh, follow-up on this judge's rule I guess it's in Polk County. I've forgotten which county it is, but Leon County. Leon County. So what's going on? 
Well, I, I, what's happened is uh, now, as of yesterday, the count uh, is up to at least 15 counties that have uh, willfully and blatantly uh, admitted they're not going to follow either the parents' rights bill, which uh, the governor signed into law, or the governor's orders to uh, make the ma mask mandate optional in schools. Um, so uh, they, the left went judge shopping, and they found a judge up in Leon County who verbally uh, said he was going to strike down the the, the governor's order, uh, but he hasn't done so. Uh, so there's a bit of cat, cat and mouse going on. So yesterday, <clears> the uh, <throat> Attorney General Moody, uh, she put out a formal statement that said, uh, you know, that the law still is parents' rights bill and the and the governor's order, and the school districts must comply. And what they're trying to do, I assume, is force the uh, the judge to do the written order because until he does they can't appeal it yeah uh, so um interesting game of cat and mouse going on and uh as the judge delays more counties are jumping on the bandwagon um which is driving parents absolutely nuts i must get now you know i used to get on the hope scholarship i used to get you know maybe a call or two a week now i'm getting four or five calls a day with parents who are just beside themselves trying to figure out what they can do to help their kids. Yeah, uh, many of them just literally crying. Yeah. Uh, so. well, but the, the good news is the Hope Scholarship allows them to take uh, their kids out of the school that requires a mask and put them in a school that doesn't. That's what the Hope Scholarship does, and there is no p appeal on the part of the school system. Quite frankly, these uh, school systems might be shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, well, it, it, that's a, it, exactly right. But uh, the issue we're running into, Bob, is uh, uh, schools are requiring mass mandates as well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, some of the schools that do accept the HOPE scholarship are uh, out of capacity. So uh, we, have a real, uh, we have a real fundamental issue uh, for parents. Uh, the, one of the solutions that we are recommending to parents, and, and they, some of them find this hard to do, but just pull their kids out. Do not comply. And uh, hopefully we can get local churches and parents just to create pods. There, there's no legal reason why parents can't come together, create a pod, and educate their children mm -hmm. um, uh, using homeschool methodology or whatever. Uh, but w we have to... Uh, you know, we have to get these kids out of these governments. Well, schools. there's also an uh, uh, optional or a virtual school that's been created. It's not uh, homeschooling, but it's uh, a similar it's, uh, with kids who actually have an instructor. But it's uh, through Optima, Optima Foundation. Uh, I believe the program starts this year, so you might want to check that out. Of course, uh, Erica Donalds being the founder and, and right. uh, president of the organization, you might want to check that out as well. So, uh, again... Uh, I think that there's no question in my mind that the governor will win. I mean, this is state law. This is not his executive order, number one. And number two, the uh, Supreme Court in, in Florida has very conservative judges now in place, so uh, they will certainly uphold this, even if the judge in Leon County won't. Uh, I, I expect that to be absolutely correct, uh, but you never know till it's done, right? So, exactly. exactly. And, and, and so many parents right now are in limbo. Um, yeah. I had a parent call me yesterday. Uh, he said, tomorrow, um, I said, I will not comply. I will not send my kids back to wear masks. So as of tomorrow, my kids are going to be Mark Truitt. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a ugly situation. And unfortunately, uh, the left are using their kids as, uh, as pawns. 
uh, in, in the whole process. Unfortunate. Now, you mentioned 15 counties. Just pointing out that I, th- I believe there's 67 counties in Florida. Right. So even though there's that's a lot, 15's a lot, it's not uh, anywhere near the majority of counties. No, but it is the, the larger counties. I mean, Lee County, Collier County so far has not joined. Uh, but you've got uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, uh, Palm Beach County. You've got Orange County. Uh, Seminole County just jumped on the bandwagon yesterday. So when you look at it in terms of number of students, it's it's a much bar- larger number than 15 over 67 would imply. So interesting that uh, uh, an issue like this can be so divisive and, and uh, create such problems. Some people just say, please, government, tell us what to do. Take charge. <laughs> Other yeah. people say, hey, we're the parents. We can make better decisions for our kids. And masks provide very, very little, if any, support at all for, for health reasons. Actually, are detrimental because they keep all the waste that comes out of our bodies uh, in our mouth, yeah. through our mouth. Uh- Close to our face. face diapers. You know, why, why would you put a diaper on the on your child's face that collects all the stuff, and uh, and subjects them to serious health implications? Yeah, why? I mean, they are they're talking about the number of cases arising among young people. They don't talk about how many are hospitalized or seriously sick. So, I have my suspicions about all this. Anyhow, Keith Logelth, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, encourage you support. The Florida Citizens Alliance, go to the website, goflca.com, goflca.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Thanks, Bob. My, Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, Rick LoCastro, Collier County Commissioner, District 1. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, 
and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. You just heard the commercial bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I proudly served as board chairman for 15 years and so proud to see the progress they're making building this new performing arts center. I hope you'll visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Rick LaCastro, Cuyah County Commissioner in District 1. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me on again. My pleasure, indeed. Well, I had a, a listener reach out to me and ask about this project, the Corps of uh, Engineers, Army Corps of Engineers, uh, building a project that cost $2.1 billion, and uh, you, apparently our share of that cost would be millions. Uh, and I know that you're going to be talking about it in the, in the commission meeting on September the 14th, so maybe you could give us some background and understanding of what's going on. Absolutely. Um, you know, Bob, as you know, I'm a retired Air Force colonel, served 24 years. I've worked a lot with the Army Corps of Engineers, so I can tell you I'm, I come at this from uh, having quite a bit of experience with them. The first thing is to really separate rumor from fact for every citizen and every taxpayer out there. The Army Corps isn't building anything. Um, this is a, you know, the, the exact title. People have seen um, the photos of the giant walls and the giant gates and all that. And, and, you know, everyone's fearful of bulldozers showing up tomorrow. That's not going to happen. They've been working for, you know, well before I was elected, but I think the last couple of years on what's called a coastal storm risk management feasibility. And here's the key word, study. It's not construction plans and nothing the Army Corps does is directive. Um, so they're coming in here and giving us their analysis. And, you know, their, their overall look is usually if money was no object, you know, taking that out of it. And we know it's a big object. Um, give us a comprehensive analysis of everything you think could be, should be, maybe, possibly could be uh, possible to mitigate uh, a, a storm impact here on Collier County. So a lot of people are fearful that there's a $2 billion construction project coming uh -huh. uh, and you know we're gonna have a big uh, chunk of it. And that's, not, that's actually not true. They recommend we decide. And I can tell you my position is, I wanna squeeze every last bit of juice out of the Army Corps to get as many recommendations as we can from them, but it directs nothing, zero. Uh, we decide as a county, uh, but but having that study uh, to validate certain things or not. Um, uh -huh. I've gotten studies from the Army Corps during my military days, and as we flip through it, we're like, well, that's not true. That's not affordable. That's not what we would want to do. Ah, wow, thanks for the analysis on this one particular piece. We're not going to do it today, tomorrow, or next year, but at least we have their analysis. Uh -huh. And when you chase federal funds, having the Army Corps' three-ring giant binder with all of their analysis over several years helps you get those federal funds. But uh. it's, not a, it's not a construction plan. It's a study. It's analysis. And some of it is spot on. Some of it's going to be way off. And there's going to be chunks of it that are neat ideas that the Army Corps, in their infinite wisdom, um, wants to recommend to us or even just uh, make us aware of. 
But in our analysis here, where, where we decide, we'll shake our head and go, um, you know, that's just the juice isn't worth the squeeze, uh, gotcha. you know, on that particular recommendation. But that's how Army Corps studies work. And that's all this is, is a study. It's not construction plan blueprints. They don't, the Army Corps has no authority to make us do anything. And I can tell you as a sitting county commissioner, um, I'll take a look at that study and then you know, we'll make our analysis, we'll talk to citizens and you know, in the end, we might do nothing, we might do a few things, we might you know, do something in the middle. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's the separating the rumor from fact, but it's a comprehensive study and I think that's what we want. Yeah. Um, we want them to, to put as much brain power into Collier County and it won't all be 100% spot on, but we want that final report with everything they want to uh, suggest, recommend, or even just to point out to us. So, Commissioner, uh, is there going to be any cost for the study? Uh, well, the, um, my, my, my understanding is I've been working for a couple of years, and there's always a cost. Uh, actually, I met yesterday with our county staff that is in direct contact with the Army Corps, talking to them regularly. And the thing they've been doing is giving them redirection, um, because our biggest concern is that they don't leave out areas of Collier County. And that's that was that was my big biggest pushback and the con concern of others. The cost, the Army Corps, you know, they don't, they're working with Collier County, they don't work for us. Right. But in the end, of course, there's a cost, you know, they're funded by federal dollars, and that's still taxpayer money. Yeah. And, you know, I, I believe, you know, this predates my taking office, but I believe they've already spent a couple of million dollars and not of not of Collier County money. Yeah. But in the end, it's all taxpayer dollars. Yeah, so good point. Good that's point. why I say finish the study. If you're already this far deep into it, to me, it would be a travesty if we kicked them to the curb and said, you know, you guys are headed off down a rabbit hole. We, we have no interest in doing any of this. Um, why don't you move on to the next county? Because I'll tell you, Bob, they will. And if you kick the Army Corps to the curb too many times, uh, you know, you cry, you cry wolf too many times, um, it's hard to get them back here yeah. uh, and uh, getting the having the value of their expertise and making sure the money that has been spent to this point, whether it's local or, or, or federal dollars, it's still taxpayer dollars. Um, we want that end final report. So, yeah, yeah. obviously there is a cost and, and, and it, you know, there's been a cost um, expended already. So let's get the, the benefit of the final report and then we'll digest it. Yeah, yes. But I want to make sure that final report is comprehensive doesn't leave out any areas of Collier County, which was our, our initial concern, my big initial concern, that several areas that maybe are severely vulnerable, it's easy for the Army Corps to just say, well, it's not worth our time to look at, say, Marco Island, which is in my district, um, because that's an island and that's so vulnerable, we don't want to sharpen our pencils and, um, you know, you can't build an entire wall yeah. around the island, so we'll just discount that part. That's why we're, uh, you know, I don't want to kick the Army Corps to the curb, but my uh, feedback to them was, but let us know what could be done that's that's realistic. I mean, yeah. all around the island, but are there areas where we could take advantage of uh, berms and vegetation and different things that, you know, might not stop a Hurricane Cat 5, but could um, definitely protect us from a 2, a 3, or 4 in a, in a better way than what we are already. But I'll preface it by saying again, Bob, it's analysis. It's a study. None of it is directive. Their, their final report costs Collier County um, in the end nothing if we decide to construct nothing. But that report gives us the ability 
that if we think there are some things to do, we can um, qualify for federal funding, which is it's usually about, about 65% of the cost of the project. But if you kick the Army Corps to the curb yeah. and you shred the, the, uh, the, uh, the feasibility study, then you have no chance to consider anything yeah. for federal funds or even just things in the report would just be good knowledge. Yeah. Um, wow, they found a few vulnerable areas that we were unaware of. We really don't want to expend local taxpayer dollars right now, but at least we're more aware due to their um, more intricate analysis. Yeah, that makes sense, Rick. And that, uh, that's uh, thanks for the clarification on that. The other point of clarification, apparently, has got nothing to do with the Lake Okeechobee releases and uh, the, the issues up there in that area. Well... And that, that's, that's my point, that the Army Corps can help us on so many other things. <clears throat> and so I can tell you from my time in the military, if you limit their look or you prematurely end their analysis, uh, when you ring their phone again and say, you know, we'd like to here and, um, and do, a deep di do a deeper dive on Lake Okeechobee, the Everglades, other areas that possibly um, we want the of their, quote, analysis. Uh, you know, they're, they're very busy people. And, uh, you know, if we don't take advantage of the opportunity for their study for this, um, there's so many other things, like you just said, Lake Okeechobee, um, uh, you know, red tide, all the blue-green algae issues that we have. The Army Corps has a, a very dynamic team. I'm not saying everything they do is perfect, and I'm not saying everything that they recommend we should immediately write a check for. Able to have them on speed dial as a part of the puzzle, yeah. as part of the analysis and the work, uh, so that we can make better decisions here. Yeah, so Rick. they recommend we decide, and there's so many other things. Like you know, you, you bring up one of the top ones. You know, we talk about Lake Okeechobee. Yeah. Um, I'd hate to ring their phone and have them say to us, "Well, remember you you uh, you ended our our two year study." For the uh, stormwater analysis, you know what? Um, we'll, we'll get back to you. Don't call us; we'll call you. So, in Rick, reality, I, that's what happens a lot of times. Yeah, no, I just genuinely appreciate your feedback on these issues, Rick, and I hope you come back on the show again soon. I appreciate the, this connection with the commission. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, Dr. George Markovich. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, we're going to talk to George about Dr. Markovich about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden. Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did it for me and he'll help you too.
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598 598- 3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us my orthopedic surgeon, Dr. George Markovich, who replaced both of my knees. I'm so grateful for what he's done for me, giving me greater mobility and uh Got rid of a lot of pain. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Dr. Markovich. I, thought that's, I know that uh, uh, you right now are affected by what's happening with this Delta variant. And uh, right now they're saying the hospitals are full and they can't accommodate people coming into the I just wanted to get, to get your thoughts on what's going on. Well, like many things, it's, it's complicated. Um, <clears throat> there is a... Uh, increased uh, amount of patients getting affected by COVID. Uh, many people stay home uh, and, you know, deal with something that's essentially a cold. Uh, other people get sicker because they have comorbidities and other things that influence uh, how sick they get. Also, some of those people have been under a lot of stress for a long time, many of them not vaccinated poor immune system, poor nutritional status, diabetes, overweight, whatever the case, um, they need hospitalization. And uh, the doctors have learned a lot on how to treat people with COVID. Uh, The best way is to stay out of the hospital because, as you know, with any communicable disease, if you're around an area where there's a lot of it around, um, then the chances of it ping-ponging and becoming a more severe uh, issue is higher. So if you are in a hospital, um, people have to take care of you. The issue a lot, in my understanding, is that because of some of the things that have been going on for the past year and a half, staffing is very low. And so there's less people around our local hospitals to be able to take uh, care of an increased amount of people, and that's affected a lot of things. Yeah. So, Doctor, I mean, the uh, governors made possible these uh, monoclonal antibodies and made them available without prescription, by the way, and apparently uh, they're available seven days a week to go by and get either uh, uh, four shots or an infusion of uh, the, the antibodies. Seems to me that that could help prevent hospitalization as well. I think so, too. Uh, But, you know, I don't want to make it too simple, but nutritional status, uh, vitamin B, D, zinc, uh, a healthy, uh, you know, uh, approach to life, 
um, it, you know, now granted, when you get to a certain tipping point, you need to consider monoclonal antibodies, intervestin, uh, you know, some of these other uh, interventions. But a lot of things can be done just by hydration and staying away from people and, you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's too simplistic uh, nowadays, um, but viruses have existed for thousands, you know, for eons, and their purpose is to cull the population, and they will affect certain percentages of the population, and people die. And, and so, look, I think that anything we could do to keep people healthy and thriving is what we should be doing. Well, you make a great point because I would love to see the CDC or other organizations in that capacity instead of saying get, get the shot. I'm not saying they shouldn't say that, but what I am saying is they should say, look, you need to be taking a look at your own immune system and take taking care of yourself. Make sure that you're taking appropriate vitamins and and, and uh, uh, your diet is appropriate. Vitamin C and D and E, as you pointed out, all these things can help avoid uh, the illness. Indeed, and the relative risks of uh, walking certain places and driving a certain manner and uh, stress uh, management and things like that are these intangibles. It's very difficult to compare one to another. I think what you have nowadays is a very heightened awareness, uh, perhaps pathologic, in terms of uh, how to manage uh, COVID versus everything else. Yeah. You know, doctor, uh, my concern would be, I don't know what your experience might be, but some people would think about putting off surgery or putting off care uh, as a result of what's happening right now. So it's an excellent point. A lot of what we do now uh, doesn't involve hospitals. Um, So it's outpatient, uh, it's in surgery centers, and we've done this for many, many years for ACL reconstructions and rotator cuff repairs and things like that. Now, uh, a lot of the other things that we do in terms of joint replacements and um, uh, more intensive uh, type of surgeries are done in the outpatient setting. There's no reason to put that off. There's no objective uh, uh, information uh, in a center like that where basically you get care uh, you optimize your health as everybody should before surgery, and you go home and you recover. The recovery is a lot faster, and the risks are not any more than they've ever been. And the surgery center is not a place where sick people are that ping pong communicable diseases. Um, certainly ours. So uh, I, many others in the community are the same, and people should not put off things that they need, um, including uh, you know cancer treatments, uh, cardiac treatments, things like that, because of COVID. Yeah, uh, makes a great point. So um, uh, right now, arthritis uh, is uh, uh, creates tremendous pain for a lot of people. I'm just wondering if there's uh, any innovations in treatment for arthritis at this point. Well, there have been for many, many years. It's not a preventable disease. Uh, it will affect the quality of life in people in a very significant manner. And when people are less active and less able to get about doing things, then it leads to increased problems in other areas in their body. So, you know, I I feel very uh, confident in in treating people with arthritis and getting rid of their pain and getting them more active. 
and that can do nothing but good for them and society as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you've been a real advocate for avoiding pain and uh, making sure that pain is not a constant companion in your life. Uh, Why is that? Well, pain has a very profound effect on people. Now, you can't avoid pain, Bob. Pain is an inevitable consequence of dealing with noxious stimuli. And noxious stimuli will create inflammation and it will create long-term problems for people. So, you know, you're going to have your aches and pains, but if it's from an arthritic condition in a joint where the cartilage or cushioning is worn away, the bone rubs on the bone, and it has these, you know, consequences in terms of unavoidable pain that eats into your soul, you don't have to live with that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes certainly makes sense. Again, Dr. George Markovich replaced both of my knees and, uh, 2006, was it? 2006, I must say. I'm so it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, and they're both working great. So, Doctor, I just uh, really appreciate what you've done for me. If you have any joint pain at all, I'd encourage you to visit with Dr. George Markovich. He'll, uh, he's not obviously breaking out of, you know, saying we should have surgery. He's, he took care of me for a couple of years before I ended up getting surgery, and it was because I asked him, I think it's time. So, again, Dr. George Markovich, number 482-5399. Four eight two five three nine nine. Doctor Markovich, always appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Sure, he's going into the surgery center right now. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. You have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. We have a lot of different programs going, but creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. I encourage you to visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, um, it's, a, it's a pleasure. This is a, it's been a strange um, strange circle of events uh, in, our, in our world uh, this week, has, not, has it not? Strange is, is certainly one word you could use to, to describe it, Bill. By the way, am I coming through loud and clear? I know we've had a Yes. Little, okay, that's, yes. that's great. I, I can hear you like you're yelling. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, when you say that, Bill, which, which events are you focusing on? Well, the sadness of uh, Afghanistan, the yeah. uh, you know um, the the hurricane from, from what it did to New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're not comparing, and and I don't want anybody to ever think that. I mean, I'm just talking about in general. Yeah, you know the the uh, it, it seems as if Bob, you no matter what you turn on in the in the news, uh, whether it's morning or or night, uh, you know there's there's just um, you don't hear any new. You've never heard a newscast uh, that's giving all good stuff. You know what I mean? Um, from the weather to, to <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, what's next? I but, know. Uh, we um, we're we're uh, we're positive and uh, we'll keep going and doing what we have to do. That's all. You know what I mean? I certainly do. I've saw uh, pictures of uh, tornadoes, or I should say, photos of tornadoes coming through Maryland. I saw uh, New York City. Uh, with water bubbling up through the uh, in the streets and uh, you know, the subways, yeah. of course, that can't be used. Is that affecting you up there? I know you're in upstate New York. No, we're we are uh, uh, absolutely spectacular. I mean, we're we're way up. We're on the western western part of New York, up near Buffalo, and um, um, we have had no no weather issues uh, whatsoever. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's. 55 right now and blue skies and uh supposed to be 75 today so no we we've escaped some of that which uh for me is a i'm happy about that Wonderful. anyway so yeah. uh, the uh one of the things i always look forward to is your updates on what's happening locally in naples uh, any any, oh. any good scoop <laughs> <laughs> they had they had three council meetings this week okay wow um it was. I don't. I don't ever recall uh, in all my years of uh, council and being uh, mayor having uh, three uh, three meetings uh, uh, one after another. And um, Bob, if you had tuned in at a certain time yesterday when they were discussing ethics, um, and with this ethics commission, two hundred thousand dollars that we spent in there, and the, you you wouldn't have understood a word that they were saying because. I didn't, and I don't know how the uh, the council people could make heads nor tails out of it. They postponed a bunch of it until a, a, a future date. Um, they um, it was just it, it was a I would say uh, that it was a three day mess. Uh, it wasn't just ethics; it was all kinds of things, and um, and they uh, uh, you know it was just. Um, we listen to a lot of it up here, uh, you know, and, and watch it on the phone. Um, and um, I'll tell you what, um, Heitman, the mayor, 
keeps saying, well, we're going to get our meetings done by four o'clock. We're going to, we're going to improve this. We're going to improve that. And she gets more of the same crap every time. And <laughs> the, the three day total was, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, they got out at six one night, which was good. And I think one was eight and one was nine. I mean, um, it's hard to keep track of what they're doing. And the sad thing for me is that they don't have the news coverage, which they need. They don't have the Naples Daily anymore that, you know, if Joey Craney, you remember that name? Joey Craney. No, I don't. The reporter for the Naples Daily. He was probably one of the best young investigative reporters they ever had. And he used to, he, he, he rode me pretty good. I mean, uh, if, if he were still there, they just uh, would have to be a lot more accountable to the public and to their citizens. I can tell you that. But yeah. nobody picks up on anything that's going on. So, you know, it's like, um, it's like, well, uh, what do you do? Uh, the, I think the general public in, in the city of Naples thinks that everything is, is peachy uh, and no problems. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that the Naples Daily News has, uh, has lost 90% of its uh, readership. And wow. my, and my understanding also is that they now have 20 employees. 20, only 20 employees. So there's no wonder they don't have an investigative reporter or anybody that's doing the city watch type of stuff. And well, um, yeah, go ahead. And I, I was just going to say that the the the, uh, the Naples Daily News <laughs> comes in and uh, we take a look at it, but it's as, it's about as thick as well. It's just a couple yeah. of pieces of paper. Yeah, I I I wrote yesterday morning I sent an email. There was an article in the Naples Daily News yesterday from, uh, <coughs> excuse me, from the editor, one of the editors uh, uh, way up the line in USA Today, Southwest Florida, and she was talking about diversity. Okay, that they try and get their news people to be diverse, to you know, and they they are concentrating on it. They're they've have local groups that are going to help them do that. And I wrote her an email yesterday. And I, I basically uh, said to her, you know, um, I gave her my background, and I just simply said that we're so sadly lacking coverage when we used to have a, a reporter that was assigned to the Naples Daily for the city of Naples. I said, there is zero comes out of there now. She was kind enough. She wrote me back yesterday afternoon, mm. and she thanked me for my email, and she said, there is a beat reporter assigned to the city of Naples. Um, the person is new. So you, you haven't seen anything um, uh, yet, but she expects to have good coverage coming out of there. Well, we'll see. I didn't challenge her on it, and I'm not sure it's the young man named Omar who was, who was very good, but I don't see anything from him anymore. So, yeah. But that was from the, you know, she was um, um, way up in the, in the hierarchy, let's put it that way, and it was nice of her to write me back, and so... You know, Bill, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I, it would I, just be nice. I, I would prefer. No, I don't want to hear about your uh, diverse. <laughs> yeah, of course. I want to yeah. hear. You know, I, I like to see that. Hey, we went out and canonized all the best reporters all over the state. And now we have the very best people that are going to do a great right. job. You know, that's what's going to build the newspaper. This. Well, I wasn't going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have to ask you. One of the things that was hanging fire that uh, had come up. Is that the the uh, the mayor's job? There was going to be oh, a dis yeah. discussion on the well, mayor's job. Okay, so in the short time that we that we have left, um, they they postponed it a bunch of times, and finally they they took it up, and uh, they say that um, 
they went after the uh, the city attorney right off the bat, and they said to her, uh, Ray Chris Ray Chrisman was was uh, um, Ray Chrisman was really really good, and Gary Price and and a few of the others. Um, and then the normal three or four in her corner were like they they were clammed up, but um, they, they they went up to the city attorney and said, look. You know, you said that this charter, this charter is hybrid. You said this. You said that, and nobody asked you to give your opinion. Okay. The bottom line is is that if we need a legal opinion, we'll ask for it. Okay. And hmm. she was pretty taken aback by that, but she apologized and said, "Well, I didn't, whatever." And then they got into the mayor's uh, powers or lack of, and uh, I think Ms. Heitman was toned down really well after that discussion. Hmm. Um, the, the, uh, they, the council made it pretty clear, look, we're in session till we're not in session was really the kind of the bottom line, but they were going to clean that up a little bit. So, you know, uh, they basically, um, um, cut her off, uh, and, and just said, Hey, you know, you do what it says in the charter that you do. Yeah. Because I, I would, my guess is, and, uh, I don't, I haven't read the charter, but what I, uh, my observation is that the, uh, the mayor is uh, uh, one of the members of the city council and uh, really is, uh, leads the meetings. But uh, really, the powers right. around that are not sub- substantial, are they? No, but they're not. And, and, you know, it's for emergency purposes only. But she, you know, I, my belief all along with some of the others is that she wanted all the power. She wants it to be a, a, uh, a strong mayor type of government. And they pretty much made a clear look. That's not the deal. And I'll tell you one more thing if we got a minute left. Sure, I don't absolutely. Know. Well, Gary Price, um, not yesterday, the day before, uh, at the end of the meeting, he brought up, um, you know the name Harry Zia, who we've had all these lawsuits with, and he's, he's uh, um, it's just not a nice person, and uh, he, he hurt a lot of homeowners, he made these deals, he couldn't close on them, uh, well, they, the, the city has won all the suits against him. And then when Retzel Andrus, our firm, was let go and the new people came in, they were supposed to be representing. Well, it so happens, and Gary asked the city attorney to uh, ask counsel and got permission to find out about what went on because it's our understanding that the, bankrupt, the federal bankruptcy court was at a, they had a hearing. Nobody from the city showed up, and, the, and Harry Zia walked away with everything that he asked for. Now, we're going to find out the, all the details, but you stay tuned on that. That sounds so interesting. Again, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, arguably the finest mayor that ever existed in the, in, well, on the globe. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on, here on the show and friendship. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a good one. Be well, and we'll speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. By the way, one thing we didn't get to is the uh, majority of Americans say President Joe Biden should be resigned because of the way the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan was handled by a substantial majority. Just unbelievable. We'll see how this all winds out, but uh, there is no base for President Joe Biden. I hope you join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Uh, Michael Cannon is a, a director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Dave Beagle is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He'll be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the 
Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.